All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I believe we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I believe there are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. Gang, this is uh, just such a great guest from across the pond in the UK. This guy I met through another mutual connection on LinkedIn, so props to to Jen Allen for this this introduction uh, to this person. Uh, this person's a uh, consultant. He's a sales consultant. He's on a mission to help B2B sales teams sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. He's the host of the Influential Communicator podcast. And this dude, he does keynotes. He does SKOs. He, he's, he speaks Bottom line, the dude is an expert storyteller, authentic storyteller, and just an expert in communication training. Please welcome none other than Ravi Rajani to the podcast. Welcome, Ravi. What's happening, brother? I felt like I was being announced into the ring, you know, like a boxing ring or a WWE like showdown. I like it, man. I like it. Well, listen, brother, thank you for having me. You've had some dope guests on in the past, so hopefully I do your show and intro some justice. Yeah, I, I have no doubt you will. You're you're braving braving through and and gonna tell some great stories through uh through even maybe being a little under the weather. So props props on that to you. So man, I just um what really kind of like strikes me with a lot of the the content you put out there and and we've had a lot of people talk about stories, um you know, but I I really resonate with uh with you know how you uh you know, get people to tell authentic stories in a very impactful way, in a very concise and short amount of time. So if people tune into your podcast, they're very uh, brief, concise, um, very, you know, impactful stories that you tell in a, in a, in a very concise way. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll dig into a little bit about that and, you know, really, you know, how like short stories and how telling impactful, you know, communicating in impactful way isn't just for salespeople. These, this is, these are great people doing this all over the place that I'm sure that you're, you can think of, and um, you know how to translate that into a, uh, into a, you know, sales setting is is what you know I'm sure you know listeners are going to be really excited to learn. Before I do that, before we get into some of those things. Uh, Robbie, I I ask this uh, at the fr- upfront of of podcast, and uh, I I you know feel like you'll have a great answer, you know. So when I when you heard that term, you know, I said it in the intro. Uh, to sell something by being human, what does that first make you think of in your mind, and how you even run your business today? As in the phrase to sell something like you're human, what is that? What comes up for me when you say that specifically? I think what comes up for me is the words, I feel like we're playing, you know, like, you know, word cloud or whatever the game is where you say a word and you think about what pops up. For me, the word relationship pops up, the word connection. And I don't know if you said that in that phrase, maybe you did. Uh, Another word, meaningful, conversation. 
uh, exchange of energy and value. Those are the words that come up for me. And for me, when it comes to selling like you're human, I think it all boils down to treating the other person that you're talking to, not like a number, and remembering that they don't care about your commission. They don't care about you hitting your quota. They just care about solving their problem. And I think the moment that we can focus on becoming interested in the other person, we become interesting. And that's not just for salespeople. If you think about you go think about the last time you went to a party. I don't know, Alex, when was the last time you went to a house party? Uh, it's been a minute. Um, let's say it was uh, well, someone recently, like um, I had uh, people over at my house like a couple weekends ago, kind of okay. before uh, before like right after, um, you know, Halloween and things like that. So, yeah, okay. Beautiful. No, no names, no names required here. But did you come across anybody during uh, the house party where you were like, I just need to figure out a way to get away from this conversation because this person is just talking about themselves. You're smiling. So that means yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was your house party. So I'm not going to make you tell the person's name. But if you think about it, that person didn't make you feel seen, heard or understood because it was a one-sided conversation. And I truly think one of the best ways to become magnetic and charismatic and likable and personable is by being interested in the other person. I think that's truly how you become interesting. So taking it back to your original question, that's everything that comes up for me as you repeated that phrase. Yeah. You know, I've heard it put that way um, before and it's so true. Like, I feel like, yeah, the more that somebody asks me questions and they're not like, you know, when I, when I, um, you know, I've heard it put like, hey, when I say, hey, yeah, I've been to this place or I've done this thing or this is what I'm doing. And, and people go, yeah, me too. Uh, let me tell you about a time about me uh, that that happened, um, you know, with that's not being interested in the other person. Um, you know, that's just, you know, kind of um, stating um, something or just, you know, feeling like, oh, you want to just, you know, repeat what they heard and, and just bring it back to you. So, you know, when you're always bringing it on the other person, that's how I'm like always like I you know, yes, I'd love to tell people about myself, but it's in the context of, you know, their uh, wanting to know about them first, right? You know, not an inquisition about them, but just, you know, being generally curious about them and just, you know, asking a further question, like, tell me more about that. Why did you make that decision? You know, just curious what was going through your mind when, you know, you told, like, you, you're, that's an awesome story. Like, like, tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, where you were about that or, you know, how, how that came to be, or, you know, kind of, I don't know, like, would you make the same decision today? Like, you know, you, you even got me to think about like my podcast, like you were, you were asking me questions. It makes me even quite, you, you asked me a great question about this podcast. Cause I was telling you about kind of, I've been doing it for two years and you asked me just a beautiful question. Like, would you f still feel like you were successful if nothing had changed? And in two years you were doing the podcast the same way. Nobody's ever asked me that question, at least recently. And it made me, you know, we had a great conversation because of it. You know, it's like one of those open-ended questions that doesn't necessarily have a, a an exact answer, you know. Um, and I, uh, I remember, um, I'll, the last thing I'll just say is you make me think of even this, you know, past weekend, my wife thought it was a very forward question that I asked uh, 
uh, someone. Oh, what's about that? Yeah, she got. I got. I got deal. in. I got in trouble with my wife because we were. Um, you know, we were at a work function, and I won't get into too much detail. But she introduced me to one of her. You know, like a, a colleague, like somebody who, who had invited us up to a football game, and he was talking a very personal story about how his ex-wife had moved his kids overseas into germany it's been 20 years since he's seen his kids and i asked uh, you know something uh, you know he's 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 trying to get a relationship with them and i just asked him like have you ever thought about like you know what a successful relationship would look like with your your children you know like what would it you, you know what would that be is it just you know writing letters back and forth it's is it going to f- games is it what does it look like and she's like, why did you ask that question? But he actually came up to me l- later and it's like, thank you for asking me that. I never really kind of, you know, like I was just very like anything. His first answer was any any kind of a relationship. But getting specific made him actually ha- have to, you know, articulate it. And um, and we got into a really good conversation, like one on one about it. So, um, yeah, no, thank you for making me think that. And, you know, hopefully maybe the listeners are thinking about like questions they can ask um, people in their uh, one-to-one relationships. I don't know if there was something like for you, like that you can think of in your personal life that you may be a friendship or, or, you know, questions where you, you know, where you asked a question and it, and it, you know, ignited a a really, you know, great conversation afterwards. For me, I think I take it to the idea that when you, specific about what you want the universe or whoever you believe is up there will be very specific about what you receive right so i think that being very uh, vivid about your vision is quite important but who who asks me powerful questions you know it's funny i've got a a good buddy called jason jason fear now he's a very very successful negotiator he's negotiated around 50 billion dollars worth of transactions in his career and uh, him and i struck up a friendship oh, probably about 18 months ago now uh, maybe slightly longer kept in touch ever since but he's one of those individuals that actually listens mm, love it very rare <laughs> uh, in today's world very very rare and i think we can all pay lip service to saying, yeah, listening, listening is important. We know active listening is something that we should be doing in deep listening, but it's very, it's very clear to see in any conversation with any human being who is truly listening to you. And what's quite fascinating is, is have you ever hung around with somebody and then a year later you meet them and they say, oh, hey, Alex, I remember last time you said that you were focusing on X, Y, Z because X, Y, Z was important to you. How's that going? That's such a better question than how are you, which is lazy. By the way, I've asked this question, right? We've all asked this question, but I genuinely believe how are you can be quite a lazy question because it, it's, I, I think if I'm speaking to somebody who I haven't spoken to in a while, I'll be like, man, like, how are you? What's going on since we last spoke? And that can be a question which elicits a response where you can go deeper into questioning. But if I've got a strong relationship with somebody and I just ask, how are you? It feels so lazy. Let's get more specific. Last time we spoke, you mentioned X was important to you. How are you feeling about that since we last spoke? That is so different to how are you? Now, the goal is to really be able to have those types of conversations because once again, 
it makes the other person feel seen heard and actually understood and once again i think we don't do this and focus on this enough yeah wow no i mean you know the the specifics like they 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 they've triggered that when you say that question to me it triggers you know robbie was actually like in the conversation he wasn't like in like something else. He wasn't thinking about something else. He was laser focused on me. And actually he cared enough to remember something that, you know, was important to me. And it could be months later or whatever. And it's like he it wasn't just about like a transaction with him. It was it was an it was a long term. He's genuinely interested in, you know, having a relationship with me after our conversation. Um, and he's interested in the nuances of where things go after after things um and and that's what ki- that kind of a question brings up to me um you know what i mean this is just making me think so like you your whole thing around you know like i'm sure you you hear so many great stories from you know kind of like questions like that and you're you 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 we talked in a little bit in the beginning about authentic and meaningful storytelling right like a question like how are you is it's okay it's it's just kind of like a it's it's like you said it is sort of lazy because it's just like anybody can say how are you and almost gets like a robot it's it's just like a you know kind of like what you're supposed to say right when you meet people um for the second or third time or you see people for the second or third time but you were asking me like what's been going on in your week like what are you what's what are you like what are you up to this week what's new for you this week what's like what do you have on the schedule this week or what's important for you what's you know what what are are you working on this week you know and just that slight change like causes someone to like actually have to give you a story um my question for you ravi like where did you kind of first learn like the importance of some of this stuff because like growing up i see on your website you you know, you you were kind of putting on a little bit of a story of yourself, like a, a mask to, to other people. You were creating a story. Maybe you think other others and we can go into a whole thing of, you know, Indian families and the the, you know, like what the structure and like expectations that they put on you. But tell me where you first learned the importance of like telling your authentic story and maybe asking questions like this. Uh, Yeah, I mean, <coughs> sorry about the cough there. There's. A few ways we could take it. I mean, the first way is when we think about the term, how are you? Or the question, how are you, by the way? I'm not saying I'm above it and never ask that question. I think what I'm saying is it's about context and that if you think about it, the deeper and more specific you can go with a question, you'll get a more specific result. And the moment you can ask somebody a question they've never been asked before, that's a true pattern interrupt because in my opinion, it makes somebody stop because they have to think. And the moment they tilt their head and go, I've never been asked that question before, that's when you know that there's a connection starting to be fused between the two of you. And I think that's powerful. Um, For me, going back to my story, I mean, I've been really fortunate. You know, my mom and dad have been so supportive of me with regards to everything that I'm doing. They're like my biggest cheerleaders, man. Like they, uh, they, awesome. they love the work that I do. They, they're like, they sent me like a message the other day. They're like, Oh, I love your LinkedIn video. It's hilarious. So like, Oh, I thought this, that, or the other. So they've, uh, they've been super supportive. <laughs> but I think the interesting thing is, is that when I was a kid, when I was about eight or nine years old, my mum literally shoved me 
into the same dance school as my little sister. And I remember, Alex, I was fuming and I was mad because I was the only dude in school in dance. And I was scared this secret was going to go to everybody in school. And it did, by the way. But that's another story. But my mom eventually let me quit when I was about 10-ish. And I remember deep down that moment, those few years or how long it was of me being on stage is when I truly caught the bug. And eventually I stumbled into theater as a teen. I had no idea growing up that my best friend's dad was a playwright, And he wrote me into one play and then that led to another. No and then I started to get lead roles. And then before I knew it, I had the opportunity to perform at the National Youth Theater in London. So then growing up, everyone was always like, yo, right, for you going to take this whole speaking, presenting, or acting things seriously because we think you're pretty good at it. And for me, I think I had watched the movie Wall Street like once, one too many times. I was, like, I was in love with Gordon Gekko. Like, oh, wow, man. Yeah, greed is power or whatever his phrase <laughs> Greed is, is good. Yeah. I said, greed is good. Greed is good. And I said, you know what? I want to work in the world of corporate sales and I want to do it on the trading floor. I want to do it in the world of investment banking. So, that's what I did. That's what I did. I finished up business school and I ended up on the trading floor at Citibank where I began my career as a sales trader. I was selling foreign exchange products to multinational corporates and helping them manage their currency risk. But on paper, I thought I had everything I'd ever wanted. And is a really interesting quote by Dr. Zoe Chance, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's around the idea that you never truly know what you want until you've experienced it. So you never truly know what you want till you've experienced it. How many times in life, listeners, have you said you wanted something because it looked good on paper? A relationship, a job, an opportunity, a friendship. You get there and you're like, is this it? This is, is all this there it? is. Like, really? Is this it? This is it? So that's what kind of happened to me. On paper, it was everything I had been working towards. But once I got there, it was like the gold medal effect. I was like, okay, I've achieved this, this you know, milestone, I suppose is the best way to put it. And now I'm like, now what? So I started to get this Woody Woodpecker syndrome where this little birdie in my ear would just peck away. Peck away like there's something else out there for you. There's something else out there for you. And eventually I decided to listen to Woody and I quit. I pressed eject in 2016. And that's when I really developed now what I call a portfolio career. That's what I had back then. So I was working in the world of early stage startups, sell selling and also in leadership. I was dabbling in the world of coaching, consulting, doing some TV appearances and radio. And what was interesting was over time, as I started my business in September 2020, but over time I started to realize that why do so many sales presentations lack personality? It's it's like it's illegal to be who you truly are in a sales setting. It's like there's this idea that it's considered arguably unprofessional, whatever that means, and we can get deep into that. The second thing I realized was there's little to no storytelling throughout the sales process. And the third thing was, was people are still selling with features and leading without thinking of the following phrase. And that phrase is with them. 
They're not thinking about what's in it for me, because that's exactly what your prospect is thinking at any given moment. When you're listening to this right now, you're trying to think, what's in it for me? What am I going to learn from this dude with the weird British accent? That's what you're thinking, right? So it's on me to ensure I deliver you exactly what you want. So born from that was my mission of helping B2B sellers sell more with story. Yeah, I you know I, I love it. I you know I think um, I do want to go a little deeper into um, you know like uh, you know yeah being unprofessional. Uh, you know we we've talked about that a couple times in this podcast. I feel like people are you know they they are afraid. Um, you know they 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 think they like someone's title dictates how they should be to them. And, um, you know, you, you know, being, um, there's a difference in my mind. I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Just, you know, you can, I'll even say it like this. Uh, I'll just say people confuse the word, uh, informal with unprofessional. Um, so, you know, is, is, you know, it, you know, is being formal, like, you know, do you have to be buttoned up and have a, you know, shirt and tie on and suit and, you know, be um, just very like feature focused and, and just, you know, very uh, you can't talk about like yourself at all. You just, you know, need to be in a like you, you're one way with your friends and you're another way in business. Or can you is that is that the difference of formal and informal or can it be like, hey, there's a difference between being professional and being formal um professional is is in my mind i think being yourself while having expertise and knowing you know like you show up as who you are no matter what but then you also come with really strong insights you're focusing on problems you're not focusing on features you're in it for the customer you're talking about value you're really you're coming with the goods but then you also find in ways to weave in who you are you know um um so that's what i when i hear when you do that um you know my question is when you know where do you think people get it wrong where do you think people like salespeople, the salespeople that even are trying to you know bring a story in here and there where are they getting it wrong, like the teams that you work with, and where could they be doing it in a more authentic way when they're talking to customers? Um, I think there's several ways we can take it, but I'll, I'll give you a classic example. I'm a new dad, okay? So I'm about 13 to 14 weeks into my journey, and you get a lot of unsolicited advice. And the funny thing is, is a lot of it, there is no questioning. You know, you'll say something where, oh man, it's been tricky. You know, last night I didn't have any sleep, James, whoever James is. And then James will turn around and be like, oh my God, yeah, same. When my daughter was two, we experienced this. And yeah, don't worry, it lasts about two years. And, you know, like they're ultimately projecting their experiences onto you versus, damn man, you didn't have any sleep last night? That sucks. Tell me more about like, how long has that been going on? Oh, actually just two nights. Oh, that's interesting. So do you think it's a pattern or do you think that this is something that's just a one-off? You know what, James? I don't know, bro. How did you experience it with Lily when she was growing up? Like, how did you deal with the lack of sleep? And when you had these periods, was it a pattern or was it something more similar? You see what I mean? Like, it's like a very different type of, conversa type of conversation. And also in this scenario, by asking some questions, which are very intricate to begin with, it earns you the opportunity to share a story if James wanted to. So let's take it to the sales process, okay? Somebody's done effective discovery and 
they have extracted the pain they understand the underlying million dollar problem and a prospect has admitted to suffering with it and needing help with it okay so that's out of the way now the worst thing somebody could do is say i remember a time when we helped microsoft do exactly that here's what happened it's like were you listening to me <laughs> like am i just a transaction am i just a number to you so here's something you could do okay step one effective discovery to do the exact things that we've just mentioned once that's been ticked off question two can be ask an open-ended question so let me ask let me let me give you an example okay can you tell me about the time man when you realized that this was a huge problem for you guys that is me asking you to tell me a story about the time when you figured out that this was a problem for you but i'm not going to tell you hey can you tell me a story? Because as human beings who don't study storytelling every single day and up on stage is sharing it, we may believe that we don't have stories to share. So it can result in analysis paralysis and it can result in, uh, I don't know, I don't have any stories. So by asking a question like that, an open-ended one, I'm requiring a story as a response. And then step three can be going deeper by asking a very intricate question. Ah, Alex, when you mentioned that it happened three years ago, you kind of tilted your head and were shaking it. It sounds like it's actually been longer. Rav, you know what? It's funny. I always say it's five years, but my CFO says it's three years. Like, tell me more about that, man. And suddenly you're talking about this delta between how long this problem's actually been occurring. So then what you earn the opportunity to do in step four is share a customer success story so this is a story about somebody with a similar dna to the person that you're talking to right now who has gone from pain to glory not necessarily with your solution because that's arguably predictable but having an aha moment that could be helpful and relatable to the person you're connecting with now i say customer success story because when i talk about storytelling traditionally sales leaders love the customer success story and also it's one of the biggest trust accelerators in today's environment actually it always really has been social proof is huge but you've got to position it the right way so i would say those are the four steps that someone should really think about about embedding a story versus this one time we helped microsoft do this right and also just to finish it off we helped microsoft is way less impactful than we helped alex smith who's the SVP of sales at Microsoft based in San Francisco with his wife and two dogs. Suddenly, you've got a human being that somebody can resonate with because people connect with people, not companies. I'll shut up now. What do you think? <laughs> I, I, I like that. You know, um, I find sometimes like I pull back from stating stories because like they're like the like marketing has like all of our customer stories and it's like say them this way this is what happened and i have no connection to those stories whatsoever i didn't work with those customers personally so i can't tell it with as much conviction as any other sales rep could but you know the fact is is we have helped and have had customer success stories and i try to find as close as i can to you know their actual problem and what they're dealing with but you know sometimes i don't like to use them because i don't like to flex on customers just for the sake of like hey you know you should know this we made this you know we we help drive like you know this much revenue or this much you know we we've increased this we've decreased this and you know like hey you should buy because of it 
I, I like to do like a little more of what you said. I, I, I totally am stealing that in terms of like saying someone's name and their title. And I almost want to say even like more so that we've helped. It's like, you know, we've worked with this, like we've worked with this specific person at Microsoft or whoever, and they came to us with like a similar problem, not the same problem as you, but a similar problem. They, their, their like problem was X, Y, Z and this and that. And, you know, here's like, you know, what they were worried about. I love like how you bring emotion in, like you do this in your elevator pitch a lot. They were worried about this. They were concerned about this. And even we were worried about this. We were concerned about this. We were kind of thinking this at the time. And here's the tr- like the change they made. Here's what they did with us. And here's the change that happened as a result. And you can say, even maybe say like, like I like to say things like I'm infallible. I'm, I may be wrong. Like I like to usually do a disclaimer. This could be this. I know this may not be your exact use case, your exact scenario. I could be totally off here. Um, you know, with this story, but I thought this might be helpful to you, to you. What do you think about, you know, what they did or what do you think? And, and ask them a question like, you know, how, how do you view this? Or like, how does this resonate with you? Or how does this compare to like what you're up against? And I find people are like, open up, like, this is so helpful. This is useful. Thank you so much. It's, it's less coming across as he's just trying to you know, push on a a story and, you know, something that's very sanitized for marketing. And, you know, so that's where I sometimes, I I probably don't tell enough stories because I'm like, I want to feel connected to it, you know, but like sometimes you you can't, you don't work with every success story. So you have to find ways to connect to the person in the story or maybe the problem that, that your customer has and, and treat that story as a way to, you know, connect to them, uh, the person that that and uh, specific like being specific about um, what that was and putting them there. I don't know what you think about that. Well, it, it takes me back to November 2019 when I got diagnosed with this strange lingering cough. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody. It was lingering. It was harsh. It was nasty. I was seeing doctors. I had x-rays. I had antibiotics. I got given asthma pumps. Nothing would fix it for so long. And what I was doing was searching online for other people just like me who are experiencing the exact same symptoms. And if there was a solution, I couldn't find anyone for so long. In the end, Ayurvedic treatment actually cured it. Um, But what's fascinating is, is I was looking for another human being who had a similar problem to me, if not the same, who had gone from pain to glory. And I wanted to know the solution and I wanted to know how quick it would take me to eliminate this pain so I could go back to what was equivalent to normal for me. So what's fascinating is, is if somebody's suffering with a problem, it's incredibly valuable when they find somebody who's actually got the uh, who's actually gone from pain to glory Same and thing. to know what solution it is and methodology i want to know the methodology right because it, what's fascinating is is when when somebody says um and then when they worked with us they increased their sales by 11% that's not necessarily bad i think it's got to be framed in the right context and delivered correctly But what's more impactful is describing the aha moment, right? When somebody actually stumbled upon the methodology, which was the beginning of the transformation. 
right? Because then somebody's going to want to know how can they implement that methodology? Where can they learn more about it? And ultimately, it could be you supporting them with that. It may, it may not. But that's what a trusted advisor does. I don't want a doctor pushing one medication on me because they get commission for it. I, you know, I want them ultimately giving me an array of options, which I think and I know that they're doing what's best for me. Right. So there's there's the idea that customer success stories um, should be more like, you know, actually, no, the best way to put it is there's an idea that case studies are customer success stories. And they're not. They're two very different mm. that in a second. But you spoke about customer success stories. And I believe, yes, they're a huge trust accelerator. But there's other stories that we can share, right? You know, as a seller, there's a personal story. There's an elevator story. There's a story which reverses uh, resistance, aka objections. There's a story about the cost of inaction. All of these stories can be used at different stages of the sales process to build trust, nurture it, and ultimately put yourself in a position where you could be seen as the guide to solving somebody's problem. Now, on the flip side, companies can craft certain stories for reps to use, right? The founder's story, the product story, the why we're different story. But often, I think everybody reverts to mission statements and case studies and they believe their stories i don't i don't believe their stories i think there's a time and place for both of them right but a story is very very different to a mission statement or a case study tell me let's break it down what are the differences between a case study a mission statement and a, a story you know. Okay, beautiful. Let's let's look at the case study and the story example, customer success story example, more specifically to begin with. But <clears throat> have you ever been to a shopping mall and somebody comes up to you, Alex, and they say, "Hello, good sir. Would you like a bite of a cookie?" And you're like, "I don't know, man. Like the the parking meters running. I got to go to the shop. So like, just try a bite, sir." And you have a small bite of this chocolate chip cookie. And all of a sudden, you're hooked. It sparked an emotion of you feeling so joyful. That dopamine hit has hit you so hard. You're like, man, where are the rest of the cookies at? What flavors do you have? What ingredients? Are they gluten-free? How much are they? Do they have nuts? So you then go into the store and you check the pamphlet with all the ingredients, with all the pricing. That is a case study where, yes, feature-driven, more depth, fine. But the cookie sample is the emotive customer success story, which earns you the opportunity to dig deep and get into more depth with the case study. So that's a, an analogy of how I see the two. I'll break there uh, to give you something to uh, interject with if you'd like to before I go into the actual ingredients which go into a story versus a case study yeah what i'm hearing is like a case study is more of like this is the events that you know happen or this is just like the what this is the um you know the what the the the, the cookie is made up of the products are made up of that's like this is what happened in our you know dealings with this customer right um where you're getting into the customer success story you're starting to get into the emotion um, you're starting to get into like what that person felt when I ate that cookie, when I tried that product, when I did that thing. It's making me think like we had a couple, we had a guest, um, you know, she runs a thing called Story Jam in Chicago where people can come up and tell any story and she mixes it with music and they teach them storytelling. They teach them like a really impactful way to deliver it. It's a mix of improv and story. And she said a quote to me that um, I think you would, 
you would really resonate with. She said, you know, our one of our coaches says story is the mix. It's it's the journey of events mixed with the journey of emotion. The journey of events mixed with the journey of emotion. So that takes a and in her mind an anecdote. She she described an anecdote, and I would I would equate an anecdote with a case study. An anecdote is just a like a thing that happened, a funny thing that happened. Her her example, if people can go back and listen to it, we got chased by the cops, and this happened, and this happened, and then we did, we went here, we darted there, they 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 turned us around a corner, and this happened. It was crazy. That's an anecdote. It's just a funny story. It happened to you, but a or an that's just an anecdote. A story is this is what was going on in my mind. This is what we're thinking. It's taken me back to the time when it's really just we're we're freaking out because the because like the consequences are this and like my parents are like this is my my mom is like this kind of authoritarian and my dad is this and you know the last time something like this happened this is you know this is all that's going on in my mind and it's taken me back to when I was 9 years old and this happened. Like that's kind of connecting that emotion of that case study or that anecdote in her mind to, you know, to, to some type of emotive event. So I don't know, you know, if you want to go in and kind of explain like how you tell that story, but that's kind of what I think of when I think of case studies versus stories. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I think there are certain ingredients which go into a killer sales story, especially okay. a customer success story. And it goes back to this quote by Ralph Emerson, um, and he said that the creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. And I actually believe that the creation of a thousand relationships is in one story, right? When done correctly, it can really have the impact which can last over time, right? And the acorn checklist is stemmed from this idea where acorn is actually an acronym and each letter stands for an ingredient for what is, um, uh, or I suppose, what are the key ingredients for crafting a compelling sales story? Now, A stands for attention grabbing, meaning your story needs to be attention grabbing. Now, the problem is a lot of reps will go straight into the conflict or they'll spend so much time in the context. We held Microsoft last year and when we met them, da -da -da, and we've lost the person. Right, we've completely lost the person we're talking to versus having an eight second, less than eight seconds to be honest, anywhere between five to eight seconds, a hook which reels people in. It could be a statement, it could be a question, it could be getting straight to the punchline, but something which creates a pattern interrupt. Then we move to C in the acorn checklist and C is containing a relatable main character or contain rather. So your story should contain a relatable main character. So meaning people buy from people, not companies, right? Then we've got O, which is organically unfold within a simple story arc. So I used to have this buddy called Rich. Every time I see Rich Alex, he used to tell me a story and I'm like, I'm down. I love a good story. But 15 minutes later, it had a beginning, a middle, an end, another end, another beginning, and another <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that's jungle gym. Minutes of my life, right? So the idea here is, is the simple story arc of context, conflict, turning point, transformation, is a really simple four-step story arc that you can use as the glue for a lot of your stories. I have a specific framework that I teach that I think that you've actually seen from the uh, Elevator Story uh, PDF that you have, but 
it's a little bit more um, padded out, but those are the core elements for, in my opinion, crafting a good sales story, right? In terms of the arc. Then we've got R, okay, in the Acorn checklist. And R is reveal a villain. Meaning the higher the tension, the higher the attention your prospect will pay to you, uh, pay to you and your story, right? It will demand more attention. Meaning, have you ever heard about the uh, a good movie where the main character goes along their journey without any obstacles? No. The movies where you're on the edge of your seat because the villain is ripping apart the main hero and you're feeling so bad for the main character because you want to see them win. Those are the stories which really, really have the biggest transformation because the bigger the tension and conflict, the bigger the transformation. Meaning, I don't care if somebody has a two-pack and then got a three-pack in the gym. I care about the person when it comes to the story who's wildly obese and gets a six-pack because the transformation, the delta is so huge, right? It captures my attention. Then we go to N, which is nurture trust meaning your stories should nurture trust. At the end of a story, do you say, okay, and would you like to buy my product? Or do you ask a high impact question, which is simply designed for, for the idea of eliciting a response? So you've got to meet your prospect and human being with where they are at in the buyer's journey, not with where you want them to be inside of your sales process. And we've all made that mistake before, me, everybody, and it sucks. So I believe in the acorn checklist, and those are the five ingredients, I believe, for crafting a killer sales story and customer success story. Wow, I could man, I, I I could just geek out on that for a while, but I know you got to get to your daughter and and uh, you know grow some uh, grow some goodwill with her um, after this, man. Um, bath wow, time, man. it's bath time, but yeah, yeah, it's bath time. Before we head out, man, look, uh, loads of value. I'm gonna give you know so many places to check in with you, dude. Um, I always try to connect with people on a you know human level, so like I just love you know, kind of like all this, all the stuff that we've learned today, but, you know, I feel like, you know, we, we, you know, to your point, ask a, you know, a question that you, no one's ever asked before. So hopefully this is maybe one. Um, so if I asked, um, your wife, Sophie, your daughter, uh, uh, Zara, um, you know, if I asked them like, what is just something about Ravi, you know, that is just like, so totally Ravi, something that maybe it's an event, something that happened to you, a quirk, something that is just would only and could only happen to you, Ravi, what are they going to tell me uh, about you? That's just so totally you. Zara wouldn't say much. I think she'd just be like, this guy is just constantly feeding and burping me. I don't know what's his problem. Um, <laughs> the My wife, what would she say? Meaning, when you say so Ravi, you mean like something that's happened, which encapsulates also, I suppose, gives you a story about my energy or something or? yeah something that is just like so uniquely you maybe it was like some uh something some event maybe it's just something like unique to you you know if i just said yeah that that thing that happened that event that that thing that he does that only he does that that's just something that's so totally him um it's a tricky one uh i don't know off the top of my head but my wife knows that anytime there's a stage i'm somehow finding my way on uh -oh. it okay <laughs> right all right I'm, I'm somehow finding my way on it i remember when we, we got married in october last year so 2021 and i remember i was so excited yeah for the wedding but so excited to give my speech 
so excited, man. She's like, classic you, right? You just want to. You don't care about me. You just want to get that with, speech. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you don't care. You just want to. You just want to tell everybody your well-crafted wow. speech. Yes. So I think for me, um, being around others and being able to transfuse or I suppose transmit my energy in the form of story is something I love doing and any opportunity I get a chance to do that my wife will tell you I'm doing it whether it's one-on-one one-to-many it's something I enjoy doing all right well I hope that we're, that speech is recorded somewhere because now you got me wanting to to scour the yeah. internet and find it on YouTube man <laughs> it so. is I'm not sure whether I should release it on the internet my wife's like don't do it and I'm like yeah maybe I don't know but um maybe she's given me a challenge I gotta sell uh I gotta sell your, your wife, Sophie, on, on releasing that to the world. I think the world exactly. needs it, Sophie. Well, um, ending it off, to get to your daughter, um, where can people find you, man? Ravi, connect with you. It's just been a blast. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you so much yeah. for, for this. I appreciate it, man. I mean, the place where I hang out the most is on LinkedIn. So come and say hi. But what I would say is if you've enjoyed some of the ingredients to learning how to share a cool sales story and one that connects, I've actually got a free PDF on how to craft a compelling elevator story, which doesn't just describe what you do, but who you are and ultimately the why behind what you do. And also it allows you to really create interest in prospects in a very, very short period of time. So if you'd like that PDF, head on down to www.theraviRajani.com forward slash your elevator story. So I know that's a mouthful. Yes, I should get a better link. I hear you. But www.theraviRajani.com forward slash your elevator story for your free guide. Cool. And I'll make it really easy for folks in the notes to, to link up to you. And I'm going to co-sign yeah. on it. I, I had an uh, elevator pitch for my company and you're making me you know want to craft a new one for 2023 and beyond. So thank you, brother, for that. And uh, you know, gift to all of our guests for that. So Ravi Rajani, thank you from coming overseas from the UK on with me on the podcast. It's been a blast. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.